0: is cool now you can like see jamie and stuff
1: yeah whatever
0: uh
1: anyway (laughs) so exciting stuff huh
0: that was i really enjoyed talking to her
1: yeah I
0: i did not know much to anything about her facebook group beforehand but it really sounds just like a great resource it's a forum i definitely intend on joining um yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about it. It sounds like a great thing.
1: So, Vocal Fam, this week's episode: Dana Varga, and yes. uh, you should check out the EmpoweredMusician.com. Check out yes. Empowered Singers Facebook group, and yes. uh, she's a sopr- working soprano uh, voice teacher in the Boston area um, and online. She has this big it's business like a- coaching thing for yeah. singers. And uh, runs an opera company, and she does it all—literally,
0: just about anything you can do as far as like kind of the music business. I feel like she's doing it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite the conversation about that stuff. It Uh, was always just
0: in awe of people like that who can manage it all.
1: Yes, and we've had quite a few of them on this summer.
0: We have we have it's inspiring and intimidating all
1: at the same time (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was really great wonderful conversation uh with dana varga go check her out go check out her website um the empowered and uh enjoy enjoy our chat it was really good and how often do we actually find fantasy readers
0: i know i I almost wanted to be like okay tell me all your favorite books because i'm a fan.
1: Yeah, great. that's awesome. It was great. It was great. So, all right, Vocal Fam, here we are. Uh, gosh, it's August already.
0: Yeah, when she said that, I was like, oh, well, here we are. Uh,
1: Sarah, Sarah and I, I guess, will probably be back next week. Yeah. With yeah. with with plomp.
0: I tried to take that and read in a Starbucks, like between working one day, and it was a horrible idea. Why? Because <laughs> like I'm sitting there, and I've been watching people sing and play piano, like little kids. When I say sing and play piano, I mean like five year olds for several hours. And then I'm sitting in this place, and all I want is coffee. And and I'm just sitting here looking at this book, and it's it's the Plomp. And it's using like these really big words, and I was just like, "Oh gosh, this this is gonna have to be read at, at a different time. This is not happening right now. My brain is done. My brain has been watching five-year-olds try to figure out what staccato and legato is for four hours, and it's done." Well, it was funny because there was absolutely no
1: difference.
0: (laughs) Weirdly, it managed to neither be staccato or legato. Like, it was neither all at the same time. It was neither sharp enough to be staccato or anywhere connected enough to be legato. It just
1: was. That sounds right. And I'm just going to put one more plug in. Vocal fam, we would love to have your support. We want to keep the podcast free. Please yes. go to the website vocalfry.com. Click on the widget. Go down to the merchandise tab. Uh, Big cartel, or just search Google Big Cartel Vocal Fry. It'll take you right to the store. True. Um, and and get yourself a T-shirt. Get yourself a mug. Uh, and get help. Get a T-shirt h- in every color. Help us. Uh, help us keep Vocal Fry coming at you for free. Okay. Please. Uh, it's not like Sarah and I are looking to make a fortune uh, selling you merch. I don't think we could. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 we'd love some help in keeping the podcast coming at you for yeah, free.
0: covering the little renewal fees.
1: Things yeah, like that. yeah. Exciting all right, stuff. all right. Ch- check it out, guys. It's g- it's going to be a great week. Yeah. We'll We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. You're listening to the Vocal Fry podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to cut out any risk of um, dog interference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well been busy I, I, protecting us I'm again. fortunate that my children are at, at a swimming pool at the moment. So, uh, Yeah. They're fortunate too because summer. Yeah. I may
2: also have some dog interference, but we'll hope for the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yesterday when we were recording with Kate Fraser Neely, my dog decided to jump on my lap <laughs> at one point. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> which I laughed at
0: and realized belatedly that if you can't see a dog jumping on him, it was a
2: very inappropriate place to laugh. <laughs> I felt very uh, bad about that. Like, the, I see. That's funny.
1: Anyway, so Dana, we're thrilled to have you on Vocal Fry. Uh, vocal fan, what's up? We are joined by Dana Varga. Um, and. Uh, Dana, so, I I mean, I know I want to talk about all the empowered musician stuff, but, I mean, you've also got a singing career going, and you've got a family, and you've got life, and, you know, how did you end up where you are? I mean, how did you end up, or or, or sort of tell everybody, you know, how did you get to this idea of doing some business coaching, as well as voice teaching, as well as singing, all all that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, so, how to answer that? Well, Um, I'll give you a little bit of brief history and then work my way to that answer. I did my undergrad at UMass Amherst and, um, really had a wonderful time there with the whole state school thing, um, surrounded by mostly music ed majors. I was originally a music ed major. I've always been very passionate about educating. Um, but then I did my observations and realized I wasn't going to be a classroom teacher. Um,
1: (laughs) So then I
2: switched to vocal performance and did my master's at New England Conservatory. And I took about four years after that to teach mostly young kids and do the church job thing, do the young artist program thing. I did six or seven of those in the summertime and um, decided to go get my doctorate here in Boston at BU So I, it was a little bit of a struggle because I was working full time teaching and singing during the doctorate, but, um, made that happen somehow.
1: I relate. uh, I relate.
2: Yeah. It was, it was something. And, um, during my doctorate when I was, I I had been at this church in Weston, Massachusetts for a long time and I sort of accidentally founded an opera company via the church because, um, like you do. Yeah. Well, they had this big room with a with a stage that no one ever used except for coffee hour. And I was like, "Hey, can my friends and I do Dido and Aeneas in here?" And they were like, "Sure, knock yourself out." <laughs> and then it sort of became like people really liked it, and they, there was demand, so we did it the next year. And then, like you know, fast forward twelve years, and now what used to be called Weston Opera Fest and then Metro West Opera is now called Mass Opera and is like a pretty okay. you know established um, opera company here in Boston and we're growing quite a bit. So we've moved to two productions, um, and we have a vocal competition every other year. So, um, you know, my, my sort of trifecta career of teaching, singing and running the opera company, all of those things together, especially as I started singing at a higher level and teaching sort of more established singers was just, it all led me to noticing how much young singers were lacking in the learning of business of singing and how to carve out your own path and essentially how to hustle. You know, it just, it's only now that the schools are starting to catch up on how to teach this. And so uh, I saw a need and also a lot of people, you know, back in maybe 2013, 14, I got a lot of requests like, Hey, can we meet for coffee? I want to pick your brain. And that would happen yeah. over and over and over and over. And until I finally was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to charge for this.
1: <laughs> sure. So, yeah. I mean, cause, and that's yeah. when you do start charging. I mean,
2: yeah. And it felt weird at the time, but, but it did turn into a pretty established career coaching business. And then via that, you know, I got, got involved with classical singer magazine and writing for them and um, created my blog. And then, then the Facebook group came to be, so it all sort of was, you know, these things are never linear, but they definitely, one thing certainly led to another. And the big, you know, I had been through the singer struggle and the singer hustle myself and saw all of the injustices up close, um, but also have been witness to how much worse it's gotten for young singers, um, because of, you know, gap tracker and the explosion of that whole scene. And so, um, there aren't that many people that offer that service to singers for one-on-one career consultations. There's a few of us, but it's, it's been, it's been awesome. And I really enjoy doing it.
1: Well, I will say, um, I I doubt you and I are that different in age. Um, when I was coming up, I mean, I, you know, it, it was, um, I had the great fortune that, you know, out of my undergrad as a senior in undergrad, I auditioned for Santa Fe and got in and you know, but it helped that I was a tenor and it helped that, you know, other confounding factors. But I just remember being there already. And I felt like some of the older singers who had already been out doing it for a while, who maybe e- even if they had even just been on the young artist circuit longer, or had been singing in regional houses, some and whatever, they were so far ahead of me because I remember like being so intimidated that like some of my like fellow apprentices had like agents. and I was like,, uh, yeah. <laughs> I went to college.
2: <laughs> Hi, I went to undergrad hello. <laughs> you know
1: and and I do remember being incredibly intimidated by sure. the fact that nobody had mentored me on the business side. And at that point, I also remember not at all viewing myself as running a small business.
2: Right. I just thought I was a singer. Yeah. And you know what I've discovered uh, over the last couple of years is that a lot of people don't really know what the word entrepreneurship means as it pertains to singers and to artists. And to me, it, it essentially means that you have started up and are maintaining a small business or two or three or four. Yeah whether you realize it or not, and all of the things that go along with that are encompassed within that word, entrepreneurship. But I have been trying not to use it because I've actually been finding that it alienates, especially young singers, because they don't totally understand it.
0: Well, and they want to be a singer, not...
2: I'm, yeah, so yeah. that's sort of a recent development for me is to, like, I renamed the talk that I used to give. I used to have the word entrepreneurship in, and I now call the seminar that I tore around quite a bit, I call it the many paths to a career in singing. Um, yeah, just it, it's been really interesting. And I think some people understand what is meant by entrepreneurship, but it, it can be a little bit alienating. And I don't have a business degree. I learned this all on the ground, but you know, I am essentially running three businesses. I well, four really my, my vocal studio, my singing career, my opera company, and my career coaching business. So definitely uh, yeah, got I mean, entrepreneurship stuff going on. Well, it's oh, handy because.
0: It can be overwhelming if all of a sudden you just kind of find yourself in the middle of it like, oh, wow, you know, I have these three, four things that you're trying to juggle and you don't even know how you got there. Rather, it would be nice to go into it kind of knowing, like, this is what I need to do.
2: Right. You know, like, I didn't know what the difference was between fiscal sponsorship and becoming a 501c3 nonprofit. I didn't know, you know, about how to separate accounts. And I did just <gasps> Who all does? That. all of the development stuff, all of that, you know, recruitment, retention, um, scheduling, billing. It's just all, I learned it all on the, on the ground. And I certainly didn't have, well, I did have, we had what was called the gig office at New England Conservatory. And when I was there, Angela Beeching was there. So, and you know, she wrote that awesome book recently, um, that of course I can't remember the name of right now. Uh, it's right over there. But I don't know how my glasses. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> um, but so she was really helpful. I had a little bit of coaching with her, um, but it just wasn't as much of a thing. I did my master's 2003 to 2005. It wasn't as much of a thing. And now I think schools are finally trying to sort of scramble to catch up to make sure that students are getting that missing piece. But a lot of them are not there yet. Well, and
0: programs. Yeah, like a lot of um, young artist programs now like advertise that as a thing is is kind of the they don't use the word entrepreneur either, but just kind of the business side. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, I you know in terms of uh, the inclusion of of those ideas in academia, yeah. Um, I you know I think it has certainly been a large push, particularly in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, of the National Association of Schools of Music, I think really? the unfortunate part is that it, for most schools, which and in general academia moves at roughly the pace of a snail moving across a chalkboard <laughs> in Maine in January. Yeah, and so about it freezes every time it moves. Oh, um, I
0: did not know what that was supposed to be but, I'm not saying at all.
1: But um, I, we have seen movement. I think yep. the tough thing is not that a lot of us don't want to give our students that. Right. It's that I th- I think it's twofold. I think what I see often is, one, the current faculty were not trained in it and so often are not equipped to really be the business coach that they need.
2: Right, and plus the landscape has changed a lot
1: right and also i think the second part is then then you're looking at hiring a new faculty member and it's very difficult for a music school in our economy right now to create faculty lines Yep, Uh, it's very it's very but all the more importance that folks Mm -hmm. like you exist um and who are doing some of this for our young singers particularly if you're in a major market like you're in boston You know, I mean, so we can at least point our young singers if they're in the Northeast. Hey, here's somebody who could, you know, who you could work with, who you could talk to. And I think that's important. I mean, it's important for those of us in the Academy to know people like you who are out in industry to be able to send, you know, that's important.
2: And I do, I do a lot of my sessions on Skype, especially now with the Facebook group. I've been doing a lot more of that. Like, I think this past week I hit Dallas. Chicago, Arizona, and North Carolina. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect. So yeah. you do it online as well. I mean, that's great. Yeah, I do. Uh, um, um, in terms
1: of the... the, You've been writing the blog for quite a while now, though, right? I mean, the... Yeah.
2: Well, again, this is... All, most of the things that I end up having as my biggest passion projects happen by accident. And <laughs> I, I wrote this article because it really bothered me. This was 2016, right before I had my first son. It really bothered me how people would call things their day job or worse, like their plan B or their fallback or their, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't like any of that terminology and it always bothered me. So I I came up with this term, the correlating career, and I wrote an article, my first article really, my first like non-academic oh. article, just like explaining what a correlating career is and why singers need to have them and should expect to have them. And I, you know, I actually just wrote it for a little local website called the Boston Singers Resource, which a lot of us use here. Okay. And, and I co-wrote it with this wonderful singer named Angela Yaiko. Um, and she, she does some of the business stuff like I do. And she does a lot of audition coaching. Well, anyway, so it went kind of singer viral. And I think it really hit a nerve. I think people had, had carried around so much shame about having to do their work. For it to be validated as normal and as positive just, you know, kind of made some waves. And then I was inspired to, to keep writing. And I don't actually really like to write. <laughs> like the actual act of writing I don't enjoy. But I have a lot to say. So I sort of force myself to do it.
1: <laughs> you know, that's funny that you say that. Uh, both about the passion project thing happening by mistake and the yeah. fact that you don't like to write. Uh, yeah we have a podcast because while I enjoy all the research part of of everything that we do, I hate writing. Yeah. And also I, but I like talking about things. And so, yeah,
2: just talking.
1: Yeah. yeah, Whatever, Sarah. Um, perfect. And so two (laughs) years ago, I, I knew I had a wonderful set of graduate assistants, one of whom is here with us. And uh, I thought, I thought we're just going to talk about our research on a podcast because that'll be great.
0: Remember when we thought we were going to do research
2: and then we didn't for eleven months?
1: And then we did finally. Wasn't but, that a crazy time? Yeah, it was. It was a crazy. Well, I time. think it's
2: wonderful. I mean, I have been discussing a podcast with a colleague for a long time, but just you know, can't right now. But I think <laughs> it's awesome what you guys do. We're um,
1: happy to have you here. In, indeed. So. um what are some, what's like the, with the, with the correlating career thing you were just talking about, sort of what is your definition of that? What does that mean?
2: Correlating career means any income stream that runs alongside a singing career. So you might have one correlating career or you might have five, right? In my case, I sort of have three. Um, And they may, they can be in music or not. And, there are those in the industry that really feel that those with music degrees should keep their correlating careers in music. I do not agree with this. Um, I think a correlating career can be in anything, and most singers have additional passions and, and skills. So, you know, it could be anything from teaching voice to being a beautician, to being a massage therapist, a physical trainer. Uh, could be, I mean, I know a couple of singers here in Boston. One is a, I use her as an example all the time. She's a um, engineer and has a pretty, you know, she's managed, like she sings a lot and there's a guy, a baritone here who sings a lot, who's a doctor full time. That's extreme. I think most correlating careers you would want to have generally maybe 20 to 30 hours a week. Although plenty of people do the 40 hour a week thing and make it work. It just requires creativity But realizing that almost all singers at some point in their life, if not for their entire working lives, will have a correlating career. Um, That's just a fact. I mean, even singers who sing at the Met, you know, we could come up with a million examples. You could have work for a good portion of the year, but also have significant dry spells. And in some cases, people will budget such that they sort of pay themselves the same amount every month and don't need to have a correlating career. But others simply have no choice but to have a correlating career, whether that be teaching or who knows what. And, you know, I've been really following a lot of people and what types of correlating careers they come up with. And the tricky thing is just it needs to be flexible. You know, a nine to five is always going to be the hardest, depending on how good your vacation time is and how flexible they are with start time, end time, leaving for auditions. It just really depends but working remotely is sort of the dream for most singers. Yeah. Um, so I often encourage people, especially young people, to think about what skills they can do remotely, like coding, right? You can I have a former student who auditions uh, musical theater auditions in New York all the time, and she'll sit there in the cattle call and code until she gets called. <laughs> oh, wow. so, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome and she makes a lot of money doing it and she's just sitting there and the you know she puts her her earbuds on and you know she's got a couple people looking out for when she might be getting close to singing but she is just an example of the many ways that singers get creative and unfortunately it's just we in the United States right now we can't expect to make a full-time living singing especially with the cost of living being what it is so um I think really just pushing the idea that this is normal, you've done nothing wrong and you have nothing to be ashamed of.
1: Oh, that's yeah. yes. That's yeah. gr- that's absolutely.
2: Now when it comes to schooling, you know, my feeling is I think a bachelor of music is is great for so many different things, you know. Even if you get a bachelor's of music and don't end up as a full-time singer or even a part-time singer, that that degree is still very it's a liberal arts education. It's going to be useful in a lot of ways. I get a little more up in arms about the masters and how much everyone is spending on them. And the fact that it's such a thing that is, you know, this is what you do. You go to undergrad for voice and then you go to grad school for voice and just unquestioning this like following of that over and over and over and I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to grad school. I think many, many people should, and it's the right path. But I just really encourage people to question what exactly it is gonna, they is they're they want to get out of it and why they're doing it and how much they're really willing to pay for it. And, you know, I get a lot of heat for it. <laughs> well,
1: a, a, a couple of things I'll, I'll respond to with that. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, in the academy running a graduate program... Yeah. But I think you hit on a couple of key key points right there at the end. yeah, so often our singers go into a graduate program and they don't know why they're doing it.
2: exactly.
1: and so that point I think is very well taken. Yeah. Um, I think it's even more true at the doctoral level
2: for sure for
1: sure um, because most people do the math most people, not all. Most people do the masters because they think they're going to be famous. Um, yeah. it's my ongoing joke. Right, right, right. Um but uh, uh you know, but I think the question is do you know why you're getting a graduate degree and does the cost justify why you're doing it? Because I think I I think there are there are colleagues that I could point to around the country that two years with them would be worth paying for. Yeah. Wait, hold on one second. Sorry. No, it's, it was me. Say something. One of you. Hello. Oh, there you go. Sorry. My audio had popped out. Um, it was cause I moved. Um, oh, wow. But I, I, I think that I, I think it really just is about If you're considering graduate academia, so often it's not thought about. And I'll tell you one other thing about about that. Um, Years ago, I had started already for most of my students that wanted to go on to graduate programs. I had started telling them, look, you need to live at least a year or two of life. Try working and auditioning some as a singer know what that is like and then if you definitely still want to try to continue to pursue this and you think by that point school is the right decision go back and get the masters
2: absolutely just more time to think about it and also know what it is you're hoping to get out of your masters you know yeah don't just you know sign up for whatever classes they tell you to and sort of follow the herd i mean you need to have a sense of what you really want and I think people generally apply to too many schools. Uh, I think uh, that I it's really important. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important that people get to know the schools and the teachers better, and really understand the curriculum. I mean, I can't fathom signing on to go to a, go to a graduate program having not spoken to at least two or three current or former students about their experiences, like in depth. I mean, that's just due diligence, you know.
1: Yeah. So and, and, and- probably recent students.
2: Ideally, I yeah, mean, the more things recent yeah, things change completely. quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It and I I mean, totally... yeah, go ahead.
0: I, was, I mean, I only just finished a master's. But that being said, I am, I would definitely agree with going in and knowing what you want to get out of it. Because I've appreciated just in when in, I'm interviewing at jobs, it was so good to be able to sit in the interview and say well you know with my masters i was really able to focus in on this this and this yes, and yes. i could tell it was just a lot better received than just yeah i got a
1: master's i took you know? voice lessons
0: yeah. yeah you know what i mean like oh i took comparative and- arts which i did but that wasn't my focus right. but-
2: and nick your point is so well taken about like sometimes it is worth it and i totally agree with that especially if you know exactly what you're getting um that being said you know even if you're getting a top notch, like super useful education, you also do have to consider, can I afford these loans when I get out? You know, <laughs> you know, no matter how great the education is, you have to have that hard conversation with yourself. Like, can I have a thousand dollar a month loan payment? Is that even possible?
1: Well, as someone who will never pay off his student loans and will die, um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, death will death will be welcome, I guess, at that point. But um, you could like
0: win the lottery.
1: Well, I, I mean, we'll see if the twenty if you year start playing the we'll lottery. see about the twenty years of income based repayment if it actually is true or not. But uh, it, you know, I think one of the unfortunate things, particularly, is that in general, students. I'm not talking about music students. I'm talking about students.
2: Students. Period. Don't.
1: Yeah have not educated themselves well about predatory lenders. They've not educated themselves well about the difference between federal loans and privatized loans. They've not there's – there's a lot to that conversation.
2: If to be honest, most people don't even fully understand compounded interest, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. They just don't understand what they're actually going to pay at the end of the day. So that concerns me. Um, and I think just more financial awareness is important because – As a career coach and as someone on the ground who talks to young singers literally all day every day, mostly between the ages of 21 and 35 for the most part, um, I can tell you that most of them quit because the debt is so crippling that they can't sustain paying for voice lessons, coachings, paying for application fees, going for auditions. They just can't do it. So... And it's not completely the debt to blame. I mean, the cost of living is an issue in many cities, including my own, um, but it's a big component. And, you know, I I was just discussing with Ian Howell today how another major thing that's so upsetting is that it, it means people can't own homes. And home ownership for me is like such a gift and such a sense of security that I can't imagine never being able to have that and it it upsets me and I see how it affects people you know I know many people who had to they wanted two kids but they had to stick to one or none and it's just tough It is
1: it is. It, it, it is um I I have yeah I could sort of talk about student loans forever um right. because while I have them and in a way it is crippling it did not stop us from being homeowners um, which was sort of a, a, a you know, I, I agree with the home ownership thing, um, but you know I mean I also think uh, sort of a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. People have different priorities in life, you know you know. True. Yeah. Um, but an, anyway, um, so Absolutely. more recently you started a Facebook group for your empowered musician stuff that grew pretty quickly, mm-hmm. did it not?
2: Yeah, again, I think I hit a nerve. <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting in, don't tell Steve Smith, he's my teacher, don't tell him, but I was sitting in Naked Voice Part Two um, pedagogy seminar at the beginning of this month, or no, we're in August now, right? So the beginning of last month. Okay. And um, we were heading into a break, and I was uh, finishing up typing out some notes, and then I clicked over to Facebook and I was like, I had been having this idea brewing for a while, but I wasn't sure exactly how to approach it. And I kept hemming and hawing about it. And I just had this burst of like, just do it, Dana. <laughs> and so, you know, it happens at the darndest times, but yeah. I just, I really wanted to have an offshoot on Facebook of my website, which is the empower com, And, uh, I was thinking I would call it the empowered musician, but then I was thinking, is that going to be too broad and complicated and decided? Yes. So I just, I literally in 10 minutes on a whim was like, okay, empowered singers, here's the mission. We're going to challenge the status quo. We're aiming for progressive change. We're not going to take any more of this sexual harassment business. We need better representation, blah, blah, blah. And then I invited like a hundred people and closed my computer. And (laughs) now it's been, uh, it's been a month, and I think we have twenty seven hundred members. So. Wow! Yeah, that's crazy. That's- it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so we we had our first big controversy slash Goodness. maybe you could consider it an achievement in our very first week. Um, towards the end of our very first week, when um, I shared in the group wolf, tra- did you read this? Did you read about this the wolf trap thing? Yes. Yeah. So I shared their old blog, and you know it was written in 2009, and it okay, okay. was up on their resources page. And I'm not going to go into it, but you know it it had some outdated uh, tips and tricks and, and advice on there. And so I shared that within the group, and I said, "Does this make you feel empowered?" And it was like, "Release the kraken!" Like I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> crazy internet. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was totally crazy. And people were like, oh, my God. So, you know, and I understand the argument that it was written in 2009. I truly do. And I know so much has changed in a decade. I really do understand that. That being said, you know, it was it was used by a lot of singers. Um, people, it was very easily visible on the site, and people used it a lot. And so, anyway... Yeah. A lot of people complained. They took it down. Uh, we issued a group-wide statement thanking them, and uh, it, it was a, a small step, but a good thing, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, well. Especially if it was still easily viewable on their site, like even yeah. if it's old,
2: <laughs> and that's a it's still there. You know, that their blog is a resource for so many. I click over yeah. there all the time to look at their aria frequency lists. We yes. we,
1: we did an episode about one fun. from yeah. uh, when did we do that was early on, Sarah. Was that twenty seventeen maybe?
2: That was it I think my it was still like us and Michael. So I,
1: think I think it was twenty seventeen, yeah. Yeah, it was really yeah. I
2: mean I think they're a wonderful oh, company that does wonderful things for singers. Um oh, yeah. and it just shouldn't have been up and, and they know that and they acted accordingly and issued a statement, and I call that a win. Um, So we're pretty happy about it, and the more things like that that can happen, preferably with a little less of the drama, um, the better. But these things are touchy, and one of the rules of our group is called talking about hard things is hard. And the- The point of that rule is that, like, you're not going to be happy with the outcome of all these conversations, and things are going to, these are very touchy subjects. So, everybody's got to treat each other with respect. And we also have to understand that, you know, we're not going to always come to an agreement of any kind.
0: I think that's a good uh, statement to kind of have out there because the forums do tend to get kind of angsty.
2: Yeah, and we're trying, I have a few admins and moderators in place now, and we're trying to curate, you know, curate the group and set the example that we want to set. And so far, it has been unbelievably supportive. I mean, I have missed so many private messages because so many people from the group have just been writing, saying, thank you, I didn't know how much I needed this, being able to talk to all these people and being able to see all this input and being able to feel more empowered. And, you know, we talk about everything from what type of career path should I follow to, um, how, how should we be doing our resumes these days to, you know, what, you know, what should you be looking for in a grad school to what is, you know, what is appropriate with casting in regards to race and ethnicity, you know, all the hard Those questions, are hard
0: questions. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can't imagine being able to just, pull out a response for those, especially because for so many of those, I feel like it varies person to person.
2: Definitely. And I think that we can all agree that we're all having a really hard time as a, as a society talking to each other right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty accurate. Nah. I think we're really having a hard time. And, and while from a political standpoint, I think most people in this group are fairly aligned it's still great practice to learn how to disagree and to learn how to have dialogue that maybe makes you a little uncomfortable and maybe pushes your limits and maybe you really strongly disagree with something someone says, but you can respond to what they said without attacking them as a person. This is
0: true. That is That is nice because I, I, I as a person have a tendency to just rather than risk, you know, offending anyone or starting anything, I have a tendency to just avoid the topic but yeah. I kind of like that you have this space where you know you're gonna broach the topic but like civilly and just know that, that it will remain mostly civil
2: yeah and we at first we were re- removing comments that were incendiary but we decided against it we decided to leave the paper trail and then just deal with them on a case by case and it's yeah. it's really haven't had many issues at all so and you know, I know a lot of people have been meeting up with each other. And we've people have been connecting, and people in various cities are meeting, are getting to know each other. And it's just—it's been so exciting, and it's really furthering like all the messages that I'm trying to get out there. And in general, I feel like you know, singers, especially young singers just entering the field, are pretty disempowered, and always like give me work please please so the more that we can help empower them to make good decisions and take appropriate opportunities and all that stuff the better so
1: i I, will absolutely and you know i think it's it's really wonderful to have a place that young singers can kind of go to uh particularly Um, maybe to be able to at least find local people, even if they don't want to talk about it online, as you said, sort of meetups and things, um, Mm -hmm. to really have some discussions about, uh, you know, some of the sexual harassment stuff you brought up and, and, and things of this nature beyond the business side of things. I mean, as we keep seeing, you know, more dominoes continue to fall, and yet I still feel like there are probably... Many that have not.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just being able to talk out about things that are stigmatized. Like We've been having a lot of conversations about vocal injury and how normal that is and how it doesn't just happen with classical singers. And it also doesn't always happen from singing. So many, many people sharing their stories of uh, vocal vocal injury and sort of supporting each other with that. And, you know, trying to reduce the stigma around that is really important, too.
1: We were actually just... Yesterday's oh, recording yesterday. session. This was literally our episode yesterday. So... Cool. Uh, um,
2: so and Kate yeah. is, is in the group, so... Well, what I, I, my, well there you go. <laughs> what I was
1: going to say is I, I actually think that removing stigma from voice health is a big thing for me. Um, yes. But... Yeah. Anyway, no, I, it, it's all great. It's it's really all great that you guys are doing that and that that I mean, it's 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 really re- really really quite wonderful. Um well, Go ahead, Sarah I was
0: just just as somebody kind of trying to break their way into the business too, it kind of removes some of those walls you perceive when you're first trying to get in and you feel like you see all these other people that are your age auditioning, and maybe they're doing more. And you feel like everybody's got up kind of these fronts, these appearances trying to make it look like, oh yeah, everybody wants to give off this air of confidence, fake it till you make it. And so it's kind of nice to see a place where people are coming and talking about what it is really like, what, they're, what everyone really is experiencing, so you don't feel like, am I the only person dealing with this? Am I the only one that's just sitting here like, I can't even pay an application fee, much yeah.
2: less, you know, this. And to know that, that you're not alone, and, and that's Yeah. Of, and, you know, there, as I mentioned, there's like a, a, a small amount of activism involved in this, and as the group founder, I'm sort of prepared for the, the potential personal attacks that may come with with some yeah. activism, because with any activism, you are opening yourself up to a lot of crit- criticism. And every day, I'm just like Dana: live your live your values, live your ethics. Yeah, just live your values. It's okay. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself of that.
1: That's uh, hard. As we uh, do on Vocal Fry, always, um, <laughs> yes. we are a fifty percent voice singing and pedagogy and science podcast, but also 50% pop culture. Do do you have any uh, interests outside of singing and your business uh, acumen stuff? Uh, Do you have... Uh, we've uh, we've had people tell us about everything from breeding tropical fish to chopping wood to their favorite book series to, to crossword puzzles. Uh, lots of everything. different things. Do you have any specific interests that passions that you love or or do to unwind or anything?
2: Well, I love reading fantasy. That's my Yay. primary genre. I'm very, other than vocal pedagogy, I'm, I don't ever want to read anything about real things. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Stick with yeah. fiction. Other than pedagogy, that's the only nonfiction I'll read pretty much. Um, with the exception of Michelle Obama's memoir, which I just finished, but that's a rare exception. I pretty much exclusively read fantasy. Um, I love Octavia Butler and M. K. Jemison. I try to follow fantasy readers of color when I can. Okay. So that is a thing. And then this girl is Bailey. She's, she's my oh, beagle. Popper. So I used to be able to pay a lot more attention to Bailey the beagle, but then I had two kids. So <laughs> you know, most of my interests relo- like, revolve around my kids. My son Spencer is going to be three in September, and my son Asher is one, and he's about to walk. He's, like, taking two steps right now. So as you can imagine, it's a circus around here. Um, so... Right now, in my free time, I pretty much wash dishes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Blast!
2: I mean, we try to do lots of activities with them, and we we do a lot of going... There's a lot to do in Boston. We go to the Children's Museum, and we go to the aquarium, and we live near the Charles River, and so just a lot of outings. But, um, yes, I have one other cool project, which is something that I started recently because I'm pretty passionate about climate change. And um, I created this little kind of harem of ladies who get together and crochet. We're making uh, sleeping mats for the homeless out of plastic bags. Oh, I've
0: heard of people doing
2: this. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And so you take plastic bags and you cut them into strips and then you tie all the strips together and then you use a large crochet needle to make a large sleeping mat about the size of a yoga mat. And they're quite padded and they're also waterproof. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Phenomenal. I've never heard of this.
0: Thanks. I have, yeah. I feel like periodically, like I've seen pictures of a few groups that do that sort of thing and always think like, wow, that's such a great thing you can do to not only help out the environment, but help out those that do. Need just the needy, I guess
2: literally. Yeah, exactly. A lot of church groups do it. Um, yeah. Sort of form forum church groups that do it. I just have friends come over and do it at my house. It takes a really long time to make a sleeping mat, I'm sorry to say. So.
0: I believe that. That's it's pretty so big.
2: Going. Yeah, but it's really fun and the hardest part about it is making what we call plarn, which is plastic yarn. Ah. Um, just like the, the cutting into strips, the tying together and then balling it back up, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but yeah, once you have the Plarn, you know, the actual crocheting is really fun. So I I wish I had brought an example down to show you. But yeah, so that's been a little bit of a thing.
1: That's awesome. That's I'm also crazy. I am certain that I don't have the patience for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing to do, like when I'm unwinding at the end of the day. Um, you know, if I'm watching Stranger Things or something with my husband, I, I do oh. some crocheting. <laughs> that is if I'm not at rehearsal or at my students' recital, you know.
1: <laughs> yes everything
2: else. Yes. yes, or any of those other things, but really have any other hobbies? I we have all this land here, and I tried tried to get into plants, but I just have a black thumb, so that was uh, an epic. <laughs>
1: I get that. My, my kids yeah. were uh, thrilled that we actually got their planters together this summer, and early on, our season for tomatoes is pretty early in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got some tomatoes, and then our plant got like a fungus uh, and died oh, good. Um, <laughs> because apparently we were watering it from above, and you're not supposed to. And we had no idea.
2: Uh oh. If not yeah, above, yeah, got our first tomato plant going out there, so I'll let you know what happened.
1: Well, if it gets a fungus, it's probably because you watered it from above. Apparently, doesn't even
2: make sense. So apparently, how do I Apparently supposed you're just to,
1: supposed to water the ground and not the plant.
0: Uh, oh, you watered suspected. like on the leaves and
1: stuff. Yes. I see. Cuz what do I know? <laughs> I'm not a tenor. Apparently. I don't know anything.
2: I always suspected. Um I also love, you know, my other musical passion is jazz. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, jazz and hip hop. Um oh, Okay are sort of my things. My father was a pretty well-known jazz musician when I was growing up. He's a bassist. His name is Arnold Schnitzer. And he um, he gave up his career as a jazz singer when I was a kid. I mean, a jazz bassist when I was a kid and uh, turned into a bass luthier. So he makes basses for a living. Oh. Um, he's now semi-retired. But So I grew up with jazz and basses, lots of jazz and basses. And uh, I know a good amount about jazz. I've studied it. I can scat, all that. I would definitely not. I'm not, like, chill enough to be a jazz singer.
1: (laughs) I get that. I'm (laughs) definitely not.
2: You know, like, (laughs) but I did, I did, like, an unofficial minor in my undergrad in jazz, and I really love jazz. And I grew up in Westchester, New York, where, you know, we all listened to 90s hip-hop, because it was amazing. (laughs)
1: you well All right. i i don't i i'm sure i've said this on the podcast already so this isn't going to come as a surprise to anyone who listens i don't think but i'm sure i just, i know sarah knows but my my uh as i became a runner a a, a little over a year ago yes, yeah. a year and a half ago i uh I found this incredibly infectious love for for EDM. And so I have this oh. very bad taste in EDM for when I run. And so if I yep. do listen to music now, it's usually very bad electronic dance music.
2: But I feel like that makes yeah. sense for running. I mean, that must be kind of like motivating as a runner. Yes, it is. Get
0: away yeah. from the music?
1: Well, yeah. I don't I don't listen to music. I'm- See, you know, you were saying you don't read much other than voice pedagogy. Yeah. I don't listen to music.
2: Yeah, I, I don't that much either Um, because, you know, my husband loves to listen to music all the time. He's a huge indie band follower. But, uh, you know, I listen to singers five hours, six six hours a day. It's tough, you this, know.
1: This is it. This ears is, get tired. This is the thing. This is exactly. And I'll tell you, when I used to teach like, you know, 30 hours a week.
2: Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's, oh. it's crazy. Yeah. So. I-, I try generally. I feel like I can't teach more than four a day these days just because I have so many other jobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I would do it. So, generally speaking, I work five days a week, but you know, not Monday through Friday. I, I just like approximately work five days a week and I teach four lessons. And then I, the other sort of half of the day is like admin slash practicings, and yeah, then the sense. rest of the day is kids, kids, kids. So yeah,
1: no, I also but, makes sense. I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, very good. We have one other tradition here on Vocal Fry. Sarah, what would you have for breakfast?
0: More yogurt. It was really oh, good. Geez. This one still with the Heath
1: a... bar in it. That's disgusting.
0: Yeah, no, it was called Butter Crunch.
1: Oh, that's even worse.
0: <laughs> it was so good.
1: That's completely unhealthy.
0: That sounds like no, ice cream for breakfast. It sort of is, but it's Greek yogurt. It's only got like 200 calories. She
1: often of eats protein. dessert for breakfast. It is. I just.
0: It's because I have to eat in the morning first thing, or I get sick. But I really hate breakfast food and most foods that early in the morning. So it's hard to find something that I actually want to eat. So it's a win that this has protein in it at
1: all. You were yeah, very sad when you were eating eggs.
0: I was very sad. I went through a period where I tried to eat eggs and it was depressing yeah. and I hated it. it and I finally had to stop because they made me want to throw up. Yeah. It's not your
2: thing. No, it
1: not, was not my thing. Uh, Dana, this has been wonderful. Um, this will be just great stuff. How can people contact you? best way?
2: Yeah, so the best way to reach me is via um, The Empowered Musician, www.theempoweredmusician.com. And um, my personal singing website is danavarga.com so you can check out either of those and anybody who is interested in the empowered singers facebook group can request to join and then there will be three short questions before you are approved
1: so i need to go join the facebook group (laughs) and then Uh, Cause I didn't, I, I have not yet. Um, I'm well, already I in
2: I encourage voice teachers to join, you know, voice teachers slash singers to join because the more conversation voice teachers can wa- you know, watch and partake in, the more they can help their students.
1: Indeed. All right, Dana, this Hi, has been yeah. wonderful. Thank you for crafting time out of your day to make time for yes. vocal fry. My um, pleasure.
2: Thank you for having me and this is a wonderful resource. I'm glad you guys do it.
1: This'll go up uh next week. So um I'll okay. I'll let you know, okay?
2: All right, thank you. All
1: right, peace out, Vocal Thanks. fam. Take care. Bye guys.